Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Great. Great over here on this side of the table. Oh, it's good over here, we're too. We're in a new recording studio right now. Yeah, we're not at Alex's house. Weird. Um, hey, you want to do your 15-second pitch for something you love on Avakine right now? Yes. You ready? Go. Okay. Um, I am really into the Lizzie Fortunato Crater earrings. I have them in navy. I would really like to buy them in champagne, but I think you're going to buy them and I'm going to respectfully allow you to have them. Um, I wore them. I put them on my Instagram the other day and I got so many questions about them. Eh. Wow. So not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time time at all. I think you hit the high notes there. I think I did too. Um, If if people want to buy those, what do they got to do? Go to ofakind.com. Use the code a few things to get 10% off your order through 1016. Hey. Done. Um, we got a guest today. We do. It's so exciting. He's never not texting on his <laughs> iPhone as we speak. We had that two-minute intro, and he was like, bored. <laughs> I'm over this. Um, we are bringing on Joe Holder, who is an Ivy League graduate and former college football player who takes a very holistic approach to training. He's been training Claire as she works up to the marathon, and she did this crazy hood to coast run Relay that you're going to get to hear all about yeah. <laughs> believes in the power of nutrition as well as a need for increased physical activity to be your absolute best he trains at s10 and nike running he trains as we mentioned claire mazer like you know <laughs> at the top of the list the of superstars of list. Mm-hmm. also less importantly bella hadid hannah bronfman um hey joe those are the only the ones we're allowed to say yeah so you know I there mean, are also yeah. some bigger names that we can't even say yeah. <laughs> But just follow him on Instagram. Most of them show up there. Yeah, I may leak on stories. Yeah, yeah totally. It could leak. It could leak. Yeah. <laughs> what is your Instagram? Because people should follow you. Yeah, my Instagram's at Ocho System. I guess we'll talk a little bit later why. What? It is. Tell me now. Basically, it's there's a few things. So I started this in college. Um, something called the Ocho System. Basically, I I dealt with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Because you played football in college. Played football. So yeah. I'm at the University of Pennsylvania, where I played football. Uh, but I grew up. Uh, with a super relatively holistic lifestyle. So my dad was a doctor. I'm one of seven in movement and exercise. I did not know you're important. one of seven. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm the second youngest, believe it or not. That's a lot of kids. So um, if you don't know, Claire likes to troll me, but I'm used to it because I have a big family. 
Uh, there's a secret text group. I will talk about that later. Um, yeah. So when in college, I kind of was a hard headed kid. Uh, I dealt with a lot of uh, issues in college, um, and one of them was a serious injury uh, where I hurt my ankle. I didn't know if why I wasn't healing. So yeah. some people tell me I wouldn't be able to play again. And other people tell me I was faking my injury, and there was just That's something nice. going. Yeah, yeah. it's like I'm doing everything. I'm in rehab. It's supposed to be my year. I have a injury during spring ball, which is basically like off season practice. Can't fix it, and I was pretty crushed. So I had to miss a year, and I'm like, what is going on? And I kind of had like a come to Jesus moment after you know I was probably at some party doing stuff <laughs> I shouldn't have been doing. And you were um, in college. I was in college. Yeah. And I forgot to call my dad on his birthday. And it was like, <laughs> I really look up to my dad. He's my first coach, and we, but we really butted heads. But he, he gave me that grounding in wellness. And uh, I was like, you have to get your life together. So I called my dad, and we kind of really basically reevaluated everything I was doing, like mentally, physically, emotionally, all that. And that's kind of where the Ultra System was born from. It was just basically at first an experiment into me figuring out how to heal my body in, in multiple ways, and including my mind, documenting that. And then having it grow from there. And then today is a situation where I have a particular intake process when it comes to my clients. And I have distinct uh, kind of core values that are applied. And I just want to uh, create a situation of autonomy for them. So the Ultra System is kind of my wellness philosophy that was started in college and it continues to expand to this day. So if someone comes to train for you for the first time, what should they expect that experience to be like the sort of like intake or onboarding? Uh, a lot of people are scared. It's yeah. very funny. It's intimidating, Which, I feel I like. I don't know why. I'm such a nice guy. No, but just like the idea of a trainer <laughs> and someone. People are scared of ending up on your Instagram story. <laughs> no, but like anyone like, like assessing you in that way of being like, like, what are we doing here? It feels right. intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And yeah. you, you like, there. it is, an, I do think it's intimidating because you have one person watching your form really closely as opposed yeah. to being in a class where you can kind of like hide Slip in the through. corner. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There is a fear of that. You do have to be vulnerable. That's yeah, the right. thing. That's a that's scary thing. That's what I think thing. people yeah. are scared of. Yeah. And, and that's with any, that's that, that's a human trait that transcends training. People yeah, are totally. scared to be vulnerable. So yeah. I get coming into the quote unquote lab, you're like, holy shit, like I'm going to see Joe, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And, you know, I do look at you very holistically and, I, and I'm sure, you know, but I don't dehumanize you, like yeah. have deep conversations, mm -hmm. figure out mm -hmm. what is the next, you know, the three whys, figure out why you exactly want to do what you're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's kind of hard. It's yeah. a good time though. I'm yeah. nice. So I mean, <laughs> um, what's your problem? What are the first sort of things you try to focus on with people um, when they're new clients? Um, that's a great question. I think I learned this from my dad. If you ever go, anybody, my friends have seen my dad, whatever, he talks to you for hours, uh -huh. like an hour before he gets to anything medical. Yeah. So my thing is when you come in at first, granted, I don't have as much time as my dad has. Yeah, totally. But I'm, I'm going to sit you down and I just I just talk to you. Like, yeah. we, I don't want to see you start working out. I don't want to do any of that. I want to get to the bottom of why you're actually here with me and then also make you comfortable. I've, I've had I've had these conversations where, you know, some of my clients come in and they cry. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. Literally, huh. I start to talk to them and see really what's up. There's a moment where you really understand why it is they want to be there mm -hmm. and they yeah. cry. Yeah. But to me, that's a breakthrough because then at that up. point. Yeah. 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 Then when I'm asking you to really do something physically intensive, you're going to trust me. So it's a trust building. So when you first come in, I'm going to talk to you, figure out what it is, your history, um, why you're there, you know, what are your goals? Some people have performance goals. Some people have fitness goals. Mm -hmm. It's really dissecting that. Um, and then get a little bit of just, you know, better background about you. And then take you through some tests, uh, body composition tests, movement tests, 
uh, things of that nature. And then we kind of, you know, push you through a workout to see um, how you're going. But for me, I just want, I just want data. I want to know what's up with the person because if I have no, you know, data and then I can't match that with what I'm seeing or what somebody's telling me, it's shit. Like if you really want to do, if you just want to go for a workout, go to a group class. That's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. but That's not, that's yeah. not why, that's not where my utility lies. Anybody could give you a workout and make you tired. But people come to me to get well. People just don't come to me to get fit. So there's huh. a difference. Yep. Yeah, totally. Um, one of the first moments when we started working together, one of the moments when we really clicked was when you were asking me about my running and you knew I was training for the marathon and I was like, I've never run more than 10 miles. And you were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And you were like, you, you were like, you've been like, you run so much. You've been running forever. And I was like, yeah, because I run for mental health. Yep. Um, and I shared with you the story, which I feel like I share a lot, but then I feel like I've gotten a lot of questions about it lately. So I'll just say it again, which is that, so I was on antidepressants for five years, I think, or six years in college. Um, Started having really bad withdrawal effects and um, because you get it was on Effexor specifically. And if you would if I would like miss a pill for the 25th hour, basically, like if I would go 25 hours without a pill, I would get vertigo and it was awful. So I started Googling it. So I'm like, I need to get off these pills immediately because I also realized I was just like, no doctor is ever going to tell me to get off these. And because for them, it's like easier to just be like, yep, if it's working, keep doing it versus it's not know. broken. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I had struggled with depression a lot, um, like teen years all through college and continued to struggle with it when I got on when I was on antidepressants. So I was like, all right, you know what? It's I think I'm ready to get off of them. And I had this idea. I don't know why that if I I mean, based, I must have read something that if I would just start exercising and running for like 15 minutes a day, it would help me to get off antidepressants without having a total meltdown. And then it just became this totally life-changing thing where I found, I figured out that for me, running was so much more powerful than taking pills all of the time. And that be, it like totally opened up my eyes to this idea that you speak to all of the time of like, it's the mind and the body are totally connected. And it, it, it's so empowering to be able to take control of your mental health or at least have an impact on your own mental health by figuring out what you're doing physically, how what you're doing physically is influencing it. And something you talk about too, is that you like, don't know if you'll ever need to go on antidepressants again. And like who, you know, who even knows, but this is something that like works for you now and has worked for you for a long while. I mean, thank you for saying that because it's the other thing is that I think is important to note is that I have had I've gotten seriously depressed in the time since I picked up yeah. running and I didn't go back on antidepressants. But if it hadn't ended, I would have. Yeah, totally. And I think that, that antidepressants serve a really important role. Clearly, they're life saving. But I also just didn't know I wasn't an athlete growing up. Like I didn't have exercise you didn't have in my other life. coping. Yeah. And and I just to have this thing that is like something that I know I can rely on that when I start to get fearful that I'm I, that depression is coming on or that I'm going to have an anxiety attack or something, knowing that I have this thing that I can turn to that I'm in control of is like hugely, hugely um, helpful for me. And it's it's something I and really empowering. rely on. Yeah, it's totally empowering. And um, that was something that Joe and I really clicked about and and related on when we first started working together. Yeah, I mean, I think that's powerful. The f- mm-hmm. fact that Claire could even I mean, I've known Claire I mean, Hood to Coast brought us closer, but mm-hmm. I've known Claire for a bit, and I've never heard this story. Yeah. And um, whenever somebody is able to share that touch point with you, you know, mm-hmm. it's real. And, you know, I agree with you. There's such a disconnect between the impact that physical activity has on mental health, which yeah. I think is disconcerting, disconcerting because then we separate, 
you know, our physical body from our mental. And when I hurt my ankle in college, probably my first traumatic, one of my first traumatic experiences. And I was always a very anxious kid growing up, looking back, and my parents will tell me um, I, was, I was a very high achiever. I ended up going to Ivy League school. I'm, I'm playing three sports growing up, but nobody really told me that I was good at anything. Everybody yeah. always told me how much better I could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I go to college and I'm playing football, it's going to be my year, and I hurt my ankle, and then things aren't healing, and you're away from home. Basically, I went into a downward spiral, and you know I end up becoming depressed, but nobody believed me. And that's, yeah. I'm sure this happens a lot at school, like whether this is your friends or this is your family, like nobody wanted to believe you. It's kind of like, you know, the whole toxic masculinity thing is just like toughen up. But I do think it happens a lot too where kids play sports in high school or, or they've been playing sports all through their life and they play in high school and then they go to college and they stop and they do get depressed and they don't realize that part of it is because they were at some point exercising every day and they stopped. But because yeah. I don't think it's talked about often at all these like the benefits, the benefits. Of, of physical activity that I mean, yeah, maybe you're doing your whole life. It. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. If you look into it, right, it's it's if you look into new research into why people are depressed, mm-hmm. you know, the the things with the gut and how basically that's your second brain or how activity influences the brain. If we really look at the biggest benefits of exercise, stop looking at the body. Yeah. The yep. body. Look, you can do as much as you want to do, but your body's going to break down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. How yeah, do yeah. we bulletproof and give your structural insurance mm-hmm. to the brain? Yeah. Right. right. So that's where I think people are missing the mark a little bit. We're so, and you look at New York. Why is New York really falling in love with with fitness? Hmm. Like, let's really think we're about. All so we're all so damn yeah. stressed. Yeah, we're totally. not, and you're adding another stressor in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're not falling in love with fitness. I mean, you're gonna say you really want to look good. But yeah. I have people that come to me are like, I'm tired. They work out a lot, but they're like, I'm tired. Yeah, you know, totally. I don't sleep enough. I'm sad. Yeah, yeah. all this, all that. And that's where you want to get down to. So if you have a frame shift and really, really talk mm-hmm. about the mental effects, mm-hmm. I well, think it's important. It makes it a lot easier to stick with it, too, because if yeah. anybody's doing this for, you know, the results on their body, it's just so those are slow results. Like those are you're not going to go work out today and see a result tomorrow, but you can go work out today and feel your mood like lift today. That's such a thing. People I, I get a question a lot of like, how do you run every single day? And I'm like, because I'm not doing it for my body. Like if, yeah, it, if totally. it made you if it was like if you can under if you have a sense of it improving your mood and improving your just like cognitive abilities, it, it there's no question like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing every day. Yeah. Um, Joe, can you talk to us a little bit about how all of those mental, psychological, emotional benefits um, shift or are impacted if you're doing this as part of a community or part of a group or part of a team? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, right. I mean, if you want to get basically like, I think it helps you avoid enemy, right? So it's basically that sociological concept that when people feel disconnected from either society or groups and they they're kind of alone and they don't, and they look, there's that dissonance that's involved and they look for ways out. Right. Mm-hmm. But being connected through a team or a group working towards a common goal, I think it may, keeps you more accountable. Some people need it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, you know, have never been part of a team. They don't understand camaraderie. They don't understand, you know, how to, how to just work as a unit, but they also, it shows other people's vulnerability. So when yep. you're working out with others and especially over a, a journey. So Claire was on this training journey for hood to coast. For those who don't know, it's basically a 200 mile relay race. It's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. It's insane. We were in a van for 30 hours. <laughs> 30 and it was 12 hours. people total. 12 people. 12 so people, two, vans. two vans. Yeah. 200 so miles. So you ran like 17 or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It <sighs> totally, but it was a but cra- over the course of like three different 
yeah, like oh, sprints yeah, or like three legs. legs. Like yeah, one legs. was seven. Legs, some, that's the word, it was yeah. like seven, six, and four okay. and some change on each. But it was a crazy thing for me because as you know, I run by myself. Like I'm not really into running as part of a group. No. What was amazing about this is that you got to run by yourself, but as part of a group, because you run the legs really by yourself. Your yeah, it was yeah. like amazing. And I, it totally changed the way I think about running because it made me think about it as a community in a way that, I mean, you just heard me talk about running. It's a very selfish thing for me. Like I do it because of my needs and being part of a team in that way was totally changed the way I think about running. It was very cool. Yeah, I think running is that perfect mix, right? I don't think there's really another sport when you think, when you really delve into it that the action is singular but the environment is communal yeah like, totally. it's not really like there's tennis teams, I mean I was just really. I was just yeah. thinking like I played tennis in high school and I was thinking that that was something that I really liked about tennis is that it was an individual sport but there was a team yeah. mm-hmm. um, that I had this whole team of people yeah. who were like cheering for each other but weren't necessarily playing yeah side no by side. I there there's something really cool about that because you're all focused on self-improvement and your own sort of performance, but you have this whole group of people around you sort of cheering you on yeah. and, and also like wanting to and help you're working you contribute toward the same to your goals. Goal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And then I guess you don't have the same, I mean, I, there are benefits to being part of like a team, like a volleyball team or whatever, but you don't have that same tension of like, oh, you didn't pass me the ball or you fumbled that no, or whatever yeah. it, it, what it is. Um, it's I've, still like your game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it it motivated me so much. And it motivates me every time I get out and run now training for the marathon to know that I have this whole group of of now friends who who are also sort of cheering me on and behind me and also doing the same thing and all sort of looking towards the same goal with me, which I think is really special and really cool and um, something that I would not have ever gotten into if not for this relay race. It was very, it was a Claire, very unique yeah, experience. I'm going to share something because Claire oh God, spills tea, go. so I'm going to spill some tea. Oh, God. Is that we had played a game at the end of Hooded Coast called yeah. Rose. No, Rose and Thorn I made. Rose I Oh, my God. Wait, this Joe, is she made us play it at the office the other day, and we were no, all like, No, there's another. Oh. It's Rose, Thorn, Rose, and, Thorn Bud. and Bud. Because Bud. here's the thing is the other thing that I came back from this thing being like, you guys, I'm so inspired by I'm the so concept into teams. of teams. I'm so into teams. I came back, and everybody was like, how was it? And I was like, I just have really thought a lot about what it means to be a team and I would like to apply it to the team here at the office and everybody's like oh my god here we go I came away being like wow I got to like do my own thing running and do that, but then also develop these relationships. And it's so cool. And I understood also just how it could propel me forward in terms of my running, because it motivated me so much to, to just want to be there for the team and to, to be the best I could be for them. It was very cool. And as someone who just never played sports and was never on a team, it was a, it was a a late in life awakening. Um, So Joe, your role in hood to coast, you were cross training runners who were sort of like running on their own, but you were cross training them at uh, S10? No, not quite. So there were some sessions at S10, but basically, so Nike had set up this team composed of, yep. you know, media and quote-unquote influencers. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Which uh, do you think I was? You're probably a hybrid <laughs> model. You're very rare. Very rare. But I'm not a fit you're influencer a like you. Yeah. You're a Prius. Yeah. Joe's the ultimate I think fit influencer. I think fit influencer is a slur when you apply oh. it to me. I don't shell. I don't like do affiliate codes or protein powders. So okay. give okay. me a break. But you do <laughs> do you do do detox teas, right? You're all about the time with the tea. I just hustle knowledge. I think that's the most important <laughs> yeah. currency. I hustle. 
Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, but this team, it was, so we had this group, but it was basically a, I had to help curate about a seven or eight week journey. Okay. Um, and we met once a week as okay. a big group. And yep. then on the, on the rest, they had their, they knew their plans that they yep. had set up. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Portland and so you were the doing the run programming for that group and then also sort of cross-training them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. And so Joe's cross-training me for the marathon. Yes. Yeah, so Claire has uh, what I like to call SGS or sleepy glute syndrome. <laughs> I've heard about that. I've been telling everybody <laughs> that my butt doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. This is a common problem in both men and women alike. How do you know? How do you test for a sleepy butt? Or a broken butt. Uh, yeah. You know, I won't give away my secrets, but <laughs> there is some basic tests you could do to see for glute uh, inactivity. And a lot of people, what they will have, there's some, there's one thing called like reciprocal inhibition, right? Hmm. So like a long story short, somebody's always sitting all day and their hips are flexed and they're typically quad dominant because a lot of people only do say like spinning or yeah, whatever. Yeah, 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 which builds up your quads, but isn't necessarily working everything else. It's not that it, it builds up your quads because you have a, typically you have a compensation pattern. So yeah, yeah. your hips are too flexed, your yeah. core is probably a little weak. Yeah. Um, and it becomes a situation in which you have muscles working that shouldn't. So uh-huh. when it comes to runners or just people in general, and this is with, you know, quote unquote models too, it's, uh, if you improve the posterior chain or able to test for what's really going on and then improve overall movement, you'll see drastic results. So, uh, so that's my big marathon goal is to learn how to use my butt muscles. Well, learn how to November. train like an athlete. Is it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that, that was a fancier way of putting it, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so what does a training session look like? It depends on what their goal is. So I, I have it set up contingent upon what cycle we're in. Yeah. Um, you know, they come in, you, you know, put them through, uh, you know, their warm up. A lot of people don't warm up, which yeah. I've realized is kind of Feels odd. Feels like a waste yeah. of time. What? It just, it just, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I don't do it, because it's like, let's just get to the workout. The warm up is part of the workout. Okay. It's a very. We'll why, is a warm up important? why is a warm up important? Why is a warm up important? Well, you need working blood. You need increased blood, blood flow to the muscles, muscles, but right. also for your head. Yeah. What, are you just going to jump in a workout after you've been doing other stuff all day? Yeah. Like you're, You need but, to get into the zone. I want to go back to the gym thing for a second because I feel like I am one of the people who is sort of scared of this, like a trainer gym yeah. and um, and of all of the equipment that I see um, on your Instagram or on <laughs> other people's um, social media or just like on the internet. Can you talk us through some of the like, not even machines, just I guess... The Prowler, the giant yeah. vibrating can massager. Explain, can you explain these things and give them names? Because I just learned yeah. Prowler the other day, and I was like, that is new to me. So there's things that the S10 is kind of notorious for, one of them being the Prowler, another is like the assault bike. Uh, that's really, is there any? What about the ropes? Oh, the battle oh, yeah. ropes. Battle ropes. So I got that one wrong. She asked me what it was called. She's I was like, like it's, it's just, just the, the ropes. ropes. The See, ropes. I need to know the names for all yeah. these battle things. Ropes. She be, quizzed me. So the battle yeah. ropes are the like the big, thick ropes that people like yeah. sort of like make waves with. Yeah. So yeah. basically... All right, so you just want SN's relatively minimalist, but you want tools that allow you to do various things with them mm-hmm. for to, for best results. So okay. I look at it like this, right? Is that people? Let's figure out behaviors that you could change utilizing certain tools. Too many people look for new tools, yeah, mm-hmm. and they have all these gadgets but don't improve yeah, anything. Yeah. So you have the Prowler, which is basically a sled, which a lot of people use it totally wrong. Okay. The Prowler is is a it can be is a relative performance tool that is used to improve top end speed mechanics and also acceleration. Okay. But it can also be a conditioning tool, which is basically improving, let's say, your energy systems or your heart rate or anything like that. 
uh, but it's and basically it's, a sled. It's okay. like you have low bars and you have high bars. You can load weight up on it, but it kind of crushes people. It looks people. like a lawnmower or something almost. Kind uh, of. It looks like... You push it like a lawnmower, like a like a dog sled. First off, like a dog. you don't push it like a lawn. Maybe a dog sled. <laughs> a lawnmower, there's like a handle and you're walking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It has two handlebars. Yeah, yeah, think of it like... I'm trying to. Ha- a, I want a toboggan with a toboggan. big okay, handles. Okay. Yes, oh yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah. yeah, a little bit yeah. maybe. Yeah, but it's. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can. You can make it heavy. You can make it light. You can. There's low bars. There's high bars. There's so many different things. You could pull it. You could drag it. Uh-huh. There's so many different things with it and make it a uh, a great tool. But it crushes people. There's something called like the prowler flu. If you ever look at the warning on a prowler, it says like may cause nausea, like fainting, high heart rate. Does that really death. happen, or is that a marketing tactic? It's both. But you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you remember what the prowler is? You see the prowler? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's true. Yeah. Okay, it's battle ropes, which may work too well. Yeah, may, yeah. Work too, <laughs> may get you in shape. Yeah, yeah. watch out. Warning. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's the difference between the assault bike and a regular bike? So it's the type of resistance. So if right. you ever realize the thing with the assault bike is wind resistance. So as hard as you go, oh. you can never overtake it. So it's basically uh, constant. I didn't get that. Yeah. That makes sense. So with the gear, though, once you overcome the gear, it's what it's whatever. Like Yeah, you're just kind of coasting. Yeah. yeah. So the th- great thing about the assault bike is, and the great thing about conditioning is that it never gets easier. You just get better. Yeah. So there's certain, you know, things that you track to see how it's improving. But the assault bike is a super crazy, like, kind of 80s-style bike with yeah. a big front wheel and these two handles, and you're pulling super hard, and you're making this big wind, and it's blowing in your face, and it just kills you. But it's great. What are the battle ropes good for? <laughs> the battle ropes is also a you know, conditioning, strength, a hybrid tool. But basically, it is uh, used for a little bit. These big ropes you pick up, and you slam them. But it's uh-huh. good for also for heart rate. But uh, and but it's also good for kind of some posture work too. Uh. And also, if you know how to use it right, it is applicable to runners. Um, hmm. So you could do some single side limb stuff uh, hmm. with it, which is great to make sure uh, um, that you're working each leg the same when you're running. Or to- well, think about the stance. So there's a thing called like uh, basically like applied strength. Um, but if you notice with runners, some runners bend left to right. So yeah, what they yeah, do yeah. is like lateral, too much uh-huh, lateral flexion. Uh-huh. So if you have somebody stand on their left foot. Their right knee is up. You hold the rope in the left uh-huh. hand. You have them slam it. They got to balance. Have, yeah, yeah, they have to have some rigidity in the torso. So it's, it. it's simple things like that. You can apply little nuances mm-hmm. and you know and make it uh, make it easier. So that's probably what the lab, quote unquote, you know, term I've coined for the spot is uh, is notorious for. But I love it. It's a mix of you know performance work, fitness work. And I have great clientele, including Claire. Um, and I'm super blessed about it. So it allows me to do a lot of other things besides just be in the gym, which I'm really passionate about. With the um, marathon, I run so much that I'm like, it's such a good excuse to be able to eat total crap and not see the effects of it on my body. But I also know deep down that that's probably exactly the opposite of what I should be doing because my body needs good things right now. Yeah. Uh, There's a mix. Uh, There's a spectrum to that. It's a a nuance. So you can get away sometimes with eating shitty food. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm of the theory and some science supports it that it's better to eat sh- kind of shitty food, quote unquote, as a one off mm-hmm. after you do something extremely intensive mm-hmm. rather to then not eat at all. Right. But that shouldn't be a chronic practice. Um, so, yes, you, you're correct in the sense that you need to basically promote recovery through the mm-hmm. food that you're consuming and have, you know, relatively high quality fu- fuel. And, yeah, a lot of runners will just go out for a long run and then celebrate with eating poorly. But it's like, why? Like, no 
No, no elite athlete will do that. Do you think it's more important to eat healthy before a long run or after a long run? Uh, both. I mean, not eat, fun answer at I all. I mean, definitely. I think definitely before. After there is a little bit of a we're window. We're getting the real answer. We're getting the real yeah, answer. Yeah, after yeah. your we're body can adapt a little bit because you've just done something so intensive and yeah. it'll be able to u- utilize it that needs to fuel. fuel up fast. Yeah. yeah. But you want to make sure that the processes that the body has are of optimum quality. There's no such thing as a healthy food, right? There's only things as healthy people, right. which a lot of people don't get. Mm-hmm. And most people are so far off the health spectrum that they need to basically have a rehabilitative process, both physically and nutritionally and overall wellness to then get healthy. Yeah. But as long as you're consuming relatively real food, um, you'll be okay. Good. Joe, this was wonderful. This was great. Wow. (laughs) We got a real education. (laughs) Um, Thanks for having having me. You've been listening to a few things. We're here every Monday. Listen to some back episodes. Send us things you want us to talk about at Listen a few on things at ofakind.com. iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast. 100%. Leave us a review on iTunes because it really helps get the word out. Follow us on Instagram at ofakind. And if you want to advertise with us, hit us up at advertising at ofakind.com. That's the show. Bye. So many of you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East, and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.